I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter, run hip hop by the numbers on Twitter. Use hip hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. I'm director of the fifth element, where I highlight the fifth element of hip hop, which is knowledge. And I know the money don't really make me whole. The magazine covers drenched in gold. The dreams are grandly mansion and happy. These are the things I need to save myself. I'm good. <laughs> I'm ready for a bloodbath. Hi, Ben. How's your week been? What have you been listening to this week? <laughs> ah, let's wow. go, I've been boys. I've been listening to a lot of music because I don't get no pussy. So what else have I been doing? <laughs> i got nothing else to do. All I can do is listen to music. Oh, my no God. bitches? Oh, well. The, no first, album, the first album I want to get into... Is Jack Harlow, and it's called "Hey Guys." Did you know that I've slept with women before? Dun, dun, dun. Oh, it's a fucking roast, roast, roast. It's a banger. Roast, roast, roast. It's an absolute banger, bro. This is garbage, 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 garbage. <laughs> Atrocious piece of music to put out. It is a closed circuit album. Jack Harlow bragging about how much money he makes, how many women he sleeps with, in order to make more money and sleep with more women, and thus make more money. About sleeping with women and making money. The only person relating to this is Jack Harlow. And look, I've gotten up on my soapbox about it the last couple of days because this is just a wasted album. It is a wasted budget. It is just a total waste, man. Why would you waste all this promotion on an artist as woefully vanilla as Jack Harlow, man? He claims on this record not to ah, be. Race cold, Ben. Sorry. Look, man, vanilla has different connotations. <laughs> vanilla has different connotations. Sorry, it's white on white crime right now. Look, man, I said this. I said this. At least vanilla ice was inflammatory. A lot of people were saying that this is worse than the big day. Or Sorry, not as bad as the big day. But at least the, we did a whole podcast episode on the big day. Okay, that's bad, right? But it's not just as bland and dull and just leaving. I said at the end of the video I did the other day, it's devoid. And that's what it is. It is just devoid of anything, of of anything of value to any time, anyone. It's it's just useless, man. And look, at one point he looks deadpan down the mic and he says, "I got a shot. It's not a pistol. Number one spot. I'm too official. Name ring and bells like school dismissal. She think I'm cold. I seen her nipples. Like, come the fuck on, man. I just this is such a yawn and one of my least favorite things in the world is when people get on there it's the same as when you praise a female MC and they're like she's not gonna fuck you bro and then when you criticize an album from a 14 year old talking about how bloody I mean look this is just you don't get no pussy is the lamest defense of an album ever it is the lame if you listen to this album if that's the kind of Oh, look, man, I can't. I'm not going to go into it. It's just, it's just garbage. It's an absolute garbage <laughs> album. And uh... so, just, just one thing. I was, I was gonna make the quip that I felt like this, without listening to this album, of course, because no Charles in hell, right? But um, I really thought, like, from what I've heard, I was just like, is this what 
is this what uh, would hap- would have happened if Ash- Asheroth like got like just a major backing? Interesting. But I just looked up Asheroth and he has been dropping mad albums he and has, has nine hundred thousand monthly listeners on Spotify. So fuck me, <laughs> bro. Asheroth has been dropping albums with like incredible features yep. from underground art, like real spitters. Like, it's just. <laughs> There's no one to compare. This is like this is garbage, man. Anyway, it is what it is. Uh, I've got into a few other albums. Uh, Block Party, Alpha Games. I'm not really sure what the vibes are meant to be here. Kayle's lyrical palette is really fascinating, and he waltzes on the record and kind of skates over some really nostalgic Block Party sounds. The title Alpha Games is wholly accurate, especially through songs like Callum is a Snake. I'm not real sure what exactly Callum has done to provoke the ire of Block Party, but I bet he had a really bad fucking day when he woke up and said, you know what, I'm friends with Block Party, I'm going to put on their new album and, and show them a bit of support. And then he hears the, that he's a snake. Oh man, that would have been a rough day for I don't know what he's done to them. Uh, I love Rough Justice. It made me feel like I'm 18 again with my whole squad of degenerates just wandering around Sydney, you know, loitering and breaking all the misdemeanor rules. That was fucking crazy. Sex Magic, uh, definitely a song I would have eaten up at the age of 18 as well. See, this is the difference between, you know, this Block Party album and the the Jack Harlow album, man. This is clearly an album for a time. It is not an album that they made in their 40s. It's not an album about being 40. This is an album about being 21. But it's so well done. It's so luscious. It's it's just definitely just this concept album that taps into that bravado that you had when you were young. You know, you weren't nervous anymore from your your mid-teens. You weren't like unsure of your place in the world. You you kind of like uh, over inflated your sense of worth and your attractiveness and your all this stuff. And and that's what I feel it is. I mean, the title is called Alpha Games, and I really do think that that's the whole point of this record. It's fucking fire. It is fire. This The first two tracks are straight up fucking bangers. You put them on, you're going to be having a great day. You're going to be dancing around everywhere. Then we get to Wii by Arcade Fire. I think it was around we used to wait. I realized Arcade Fire were not lyrical titans. You know, as much as Neon Bible, the album before we used to wait came out, was a, is a classic. When, we, when I heard that track, we used to wait. Uh, I kind of went back to Neon Bible and notably keep the car running and no cars go. And the joy of those tracks, it was hardly through Win Butler's lyrical dissections of modern society. You know, it was much more through the incessant and urgent instrumentals. I read someone say that Arcade Fire always sounds bigger than the room that they're in or bigger than the song that they're on. And that was always the joy of Arcade Fire. It's like they were packing this wall of sound into these... Uh, these instrumentals and you know reflector gave way to the beautiful everything now which is their their last record i think that was 2017 uh that was torn apart by critics but i felt it was the perfect marriage between what they were really great at which is that lush wall of sound instrumentals and what they seem passionate about which is lyrical deafness and tackling difficult topics uh this record is absolutely where they <laughs> look man why does every late 90s and early 2000s band who wants to write about the dystopia that we're currently seeing out you know, in front of our very eyes, they just go for the drum machines. They go straight for the drum machines and the synthesizers. The killers can do it. No one else should be doing it. Do not do it. I don't want to hear anyone else. I don't want to hear the interview like, you know what? We just realized we could do it on a drum machine. We didn't need a drummer anymore. Stop doing that. Just fuck it. We want regular drums. It, I know that they're trying to cultivate this real close, anxious, like panicky energy with it. And yeah, it happens, but it's just so... It's so tinny. It's so dark. It's so, 
it's so anemic. It just sounds awful. And look, man, the lyrics on here, we get it. Okay, climate change, awful. Algorithms, all of that stuff, man. That track with Peter Gabriel is such a misstep because he's a fucking legend. And we get them singing, No time for division, new vision. Be my race and religion. And... All of this is just far too overt for their indie roots that they planted in 2004 with Funeral. You know, the lyrics are, back then they were purposefully obtuse. Now they're painfully obtuse. You know, I didn't so much mind End of Empire 1 to 3 until you didn't used to get high, didn't used to drink, didn't used to think I could ever dream about losing you, you, but I do. Then we get the woeful Empire 4 with the lyrics, I unsubscribe, this ain't no way of life, I don't believe the hype. She unsubscribes. She says there's diamonds in your eyes. High off her own supply. She says the air we're breathing is from an exhaust pipe. Just a prototype. Like, you know what I mean? Like, come on. What are we doing? Like, I know that they want to say... I know that they want to put a message Very in lib. <laughs> I love, I love RK Fire. I love RK Fire with all my heart. Uh, Funeral is probably one of the greatest indie rock albums of the 2000s. But um, <coughs> this wasn't it, man. Their last album, I love everything now. I've loved every every RK Fire. Reflector is a fucking amazing album. But yeah, no, this one was was not it. Very disappointing. Uh, Simple by IDK. Keishinata skating. Skating all over this. Skate, 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 skate. Uh, the energy and the groove of some of these tracks is fucking peerless. Mm-hmm. Breathe into Taco is just such a brilliant transition. And none of that means anything, of course, if the MC over the top of the production is struggling to keep up with mm-hmm. the pace. But IDK is a fucking great match, man. When those pianos mm. switch up tempo in Taco, IDK's delivery just doubles down and matches that energy. It's brilliant. On Dog Food with Denzel, I think we get the perfect insight into just how adaptable IDK's delivery is on this project because Denzel is far from a one-flow artist or a one-pitch vocal delivery. You know, Taboo is laced with experimentation, but IDK molds into the beach so much smoother than Denzel does on that track. And, you know, I think a lot of artists in this lane can fall prey to something like kind of like a Mine, uh, you know, they just they become generic. They're so they're so adaptable and they're so like diverse that they lose their unique sound. You you lose like is this Amine on the track or is this someone else or is this you know they they kind of start sounding like their influences. IDK does not do that at all. He never loses his unique selling point. Uh, he dips in and out of deep subject matter enough to draw you into the concept without allowing it to dwarf the instrumentals, which it, it's expertly done. Honestly, the whole album is a bop, but it's going to switch on your intellectual side. Uh, look, man, IDK just keeps fucking dropping heat. I, uh, we've been saying this for like three or four years now. It's incredible. You were going to say? Uh, you, you, you didn't like that soundtrack you did. Oh, did he? What was the soundtrack? Oh, I forgot, but it was a soundtrack for oh. saying you didn't read it, but, for, but apart from that, yeah. Okay, well, finally, China Street's Hourglass, you know, part of this incredible New York underground scene right now, which is about as evocative as a thing I could say, because, you know, right now, I think that, and when I say that, you have to be a fucking lyrical MC to be part of this underground scene, because... I think it's suffering and thriving from the Griselda stripped brack Derringer Alchemist kind of conductor production model with much less focus on drums and percussion and much more focus on lyrical content. And rappers have nowhere, nowhere to hide right now. And that's not to say the production is poor. I think it's a clear rejection of, you know, the 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 trope that's now becoming way too prevalent in mainstream hip hop, which is an over reliance on the production and an under reliance on the on the lyrical content. 
Uh, underground rappers have to be front and center and bars must be elite right now. And China Streets is well sorted, man. On Rain or Shine, she slips in and out of various motifs. She loses her mind some of these rhyme schemes, especially in the second verse of that track. On the title track, she raps over something that could have easily been on Tanner Talk 3, eviscerating her ex and anyone else provoking her ire. Uh, on Eve's remorse, she, ma- she raps, The egg doesn't swim to the sperm. I hope you learn to discern that every bridge ain't meant to be burned. You reap what you earn. And the whole album is a lyrical meal. I just sat on the couch a couple of nights in a row and just listened to it. And um, it's great, man. Shout out China Streets. Great project. So that was me, Charlie. What about yourself? Yes, yeah, so I'll go into plenty. Um, started off the week with uh, Ash is the best. A-S-H-S, the best. Um, so, 1995. It's a little EP. Um, it's a Senegalese artist. And uh, I can't discern uh, like specifically what kind of uh, vibe I can give it. Um, he has a lot of energy. Um, there's a lot of genres here. You know, Mainly hip-hop, but there's a lot of stuff going on in the background lyrically he's not you know he's doing uh you know native language i think some french in there um and obviously some english as well but uh yeah there's, there's just so much going on just like the uh however many tracks there are um but is is he is he not not even gonna lie to you so is he so it's nine tracks six uh six songs 90 minutes um and uh yes it's really good stuff uh, i think life is love is probably my favorite one out of the out of the bunch uh what's next uh otis mensa friend of 5e otis mensa uh things i should have said a year ago um literally saw him live in uh dalston a couple of days afterwards um so you know it was pretty fresh in my mind obviously and um Comparing, you know, that the EP itself and also just um, in general his uh, show as well, because um, I've seen him live before um, uh, when he supported uh, Blue in Exile a couple of years ago. And um, actually, that's probably when I clocked him, actually, now I'm thinking about it. Um, but, you know, he, he he's his live show and his music has kind of like made some def- definite strides. Um, if you haven't spin- spun out his medicine before, you know, heavy art rap, um, spoken word poetry um, and in this particular EP um, seven songs 21 minutes um, that he I think if I'm correct most of the production is him or all the production is him so um, it's the first time he's done that and um, it's actually kind of there's more there's more darkness in this particular project um, compared in my mind compared to the others you know the others had like something like troglodyte jazz or um, one euro jazz or uh, buffer rings like those those had some pep in them but these 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 particular these particular um, sex, uh, sets of tracks you know they're very they're very low they're very um, low mood and uh, very deep um, so if you like that kind of essence then go for it um, but uh, yeah he's currently touring shout out to him and uh, yeah the live show itself was good uh, was great really enjoyed it um, a little hole in the wall kind of thing uh, in Dalston so I'm, I'm very happy about that uh, what's next uh, black star <laughs> I oh, forgot about this, you know. I, for- I forgot I, I, too. I, I, I thought I forgot you were gonna. T- I, f- I forgot you needed to talk about. It. I was just like, wait, he didn't talk about something. What else? What, what else was I waiting on? Oh yeah, Blackstar. Black right. Oh, so here we go. yes. So you spun, yeah? No, oh, I did not I, spin yeah, it. I'm I, not gonna. Did get, you not? I'm not I gonna get. Did I not hook you up? Yeah. For okay. Two things. I don't. I'm not gonna subscribe to Luminary. I'm not gonna download a zip. I'm just gonna wait. I'm okay. gonna wait. Well, I spun, and without well. I don't know. Is spoilers the thing? But like, um, 
you, you can definitely rank the three involved. Um, and it definitely sounds like an album recorded in a hotel room. Um, and that, and I don't think I don't think I don't personally figure that as a good thing in this context. Um, I do think the mixing was a bit off for most part. Um, I do think that could have been way better. Um, Manly was on point. Apart from that, um, you know the beats themselves were clean. Um, Yasin was clean for most part. Talib had, took a, took a few songs to get there, but he eventually got there. But overall, I feel like there's just a lot of I don't know. I think I feel. I'm not sure if this is like something that I need to spin a couple of times. Maybe it's one of those projects. But off, uh, off, just like a one listen. Um, you know, the last few tracks were definitely the highlights for me personally. Um, I kind of just the the other the first few tracks kind of just went out of my head. Um, but from from like Supreme Alchemy, uh, Frequency with Black Fort, No Fear of Time with Yummy Yummy Bingham banger tracks um but uh yeah the others the others i don't know it's just it kind of just went they went out of my head kind of quickly and i feel like that's kind of a disappointment i guess i feel like most people are not going to be you know um i I don't know what to i didn't know what to expect i didn't expect it to be you know better than the album we talked about you know last week i didn't expect uh well not last week a couple of weeks ago um i didn't expect it to be as good as that um but (sighs) I do think there's a little bit of like just general general disappointment surrounding this for me. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll I'll definitely spin it again. I want to see if I if it does you know warm up. Uh, uh, if I if I spin it again, and actually you know listen to lyrics and stuff like that. Um, but I don't know. I'll first listen. You, you you don't need. I don't think luminary. I don't think you need to hook up that luminary. I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's worth the worth the subscription and the net and the emails you're gonna get afterwards. Uh, Siegfried Komidashi. Um, fucking hard to spell Siegfried. By the way, I was trying to spell it during my. I was like writing it down. I was like, I can't spell Siegfried for shit. Um, so two projects: Moonwalker Aquarius first, um, which uh, dropped a few months ago. Very um, very art rappy. Oh. Just to say, Siegfried Komodashi um, was um, with Otis Mensa while I was um, while I was uh, seeing him live playing saxophone, and uh, he was heat. So I immediately looked him up, and uh, out came these. Um, so uh, Moonwalker Aquarius um, is a very very dark uh, and very lo-fi kind of uh, affair um, with some really you know just like spoken word vocals going like this all the time and not exactly going high or low just staying in flat staying in the middle with the delivery <clears throat> and yeah it's very interesting i feel like ryan would like it so ryan if you want to go peep go peep um and also three alpha yankee which um uh which is kind of a, a little bit more a little more instrumental a little bit more energy um so um depending on what you want i feel like there's some good stuff there idk simple um definitely on my ep list um long list uh, for sure that just yeah, just absolutely. Heat. I knew Catronada was gonna slap, um, but I, I was worried. It's just like, what's IDK IDK gonna come with? Is he gonna meet match the energy and match it, match the quality lyrically? And I feel like he did it. So um, shout out to him on that front. Um, but thoroughly impressed and really thoroughly enjoyed that whole EP. I genuinely wish that was an album. That would have been great if it was just like half an hour, or forty minutes of bangers. Uh, Nejma Nefertiti, Jane Wayne, the Thriller. 
So this is uh, kind of a sequel to a previous one. Uh, I think it's called Jane Wayne the Villain, if I remember correctly. And uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I feel like I feel like I need to plant a flag for Nedjma Nefertiti now because I've listened to a few, I've listened to a few albums of hers. You know, I listened to a few projects now, and the quality is not dipping. The lyrical quality is never dipping, and she's just going from strength to strength like every time. Um, this 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 album is heat. It's really heat. Uh, Blunt money, Death Note, um, Vice Vice Grip with uh, Indigo Phoenix slaps. Uh, Rain Dance with Napoleon the Legend, great. Um, this is nine track uh, nine tracks, uh, twenty six minutes. It's short and sweet, but man, it just packs a punch. It's really great. Uh, Nux Alpha Place. I was really nervous about this. Honestly, I feel like um, I've. I mean, I remember listening to Nux's first couple of albums and not really into it. Especially, um, I forget what it's called now. London Place, I think. Uh, no, not London Place. Um, but uh, London something. Uh, let's look it up right quick. Uh, London Class, that was it. Yeah, I remember there was one track of like Loyal Connor and Venon, and I really in- enjoyed that. But the rest of it, I was kind of like mid on. Um, but yeah, I I don't mind this album. I think I feel like this is a good. This is a interesting mix of everything great about UK rap right now. So you got a bit of drill here, got a bit of um you know, got a bit of hip hop in there with like especially like something like Alpha House with Venna uh, production. Shout out to Venna, love me some Venna. Um but you know it's really I I like it man. I really do like it. I feel like it um is gonna if I if I listen to it a couple of times I guarantee my my in myself that it's gonna warm up to me more. Um we were literally talking about Die Hard um just before recording and just how weird that beat was but interesting in a in a nice way three musketeers is a banger track and just from a storytelling perspective story really enjoyed is that great on here man leon the storytelling is a great, great track. and the hooks bro nux is so good with hooks he is a really good hook artist um so um if you if yeah there's some really good stuff on here a lot to chew on definitely on my album long list for sure um i'm looking forward to listening to that again uh emily sanday let's say for instance ah the queen of our sovereignty is back is back for and uh you know th- uh, i've <laughs> this is definitely not my favorite out of the four albums she's dropped um i'll say that for sure um but there is some but when emily has a track for something like ready to love there is no one better there is really no one better um but unfortunately there are more tracks here um i'm not into the auto tuning like on mm. family and i think oxygen was on there as well not my steez can't be doing that Never supporting that, no way. Um, I love the just the interludes in like July twenty fifth and September eighth with like the pianos going. Summer and my pleasures bangs. Uh, Brighter days. Um, she's she. I saw her live for my mother's birthday in January and she sang that back then. It was great. Um, I definitely prefer the acoustic version to the um to the album version. Um, but that's good as well. Superhuman world go round. You know that all that positivity stuff. But. I feel like this album's kind of just like a love letter um, in some way. Um, she recently she recently came out, um, and uh, you know I've I personally shout to her on that front and uh, really respect her on that front for just um, you know having that. And this album's very I feel like you know just very leaning towards that and leaning towards finding love and stuff like that, um, which is why something um, like Ready to Love is just feels so powerful to listen to. Just tracks like that is just that's just Emily Sandy at her best. Not her best album, but there are some gems in there for sure. And lastly, Lady London, uh, Lady Like the Boss tape, um, solid uh, little mixtape. 
kind of thing for here going on. Um, I think it actually gets better as it goes. Um, there's stuff like Buss It Ski, which kind of like goes off that um, that Buss It, Buss It track from a while back. Uh, Welcome to the Party kind of <clears throat> is basically a drill track, you know, kind of, um, as you can imagine, um, Pop Smoke vibes. But past that, when it gets past that, um, Lisa's story, such a fascinating track, really original um, storytelling there. Uh, Reciprocity, You're Still Mine with Michaela, great tracks for me personally. Um, and yeah, there's some really good stuff all over this, um, especially at the back end of the album. So uh, shout to Lady London on that front. And with that said, we jump into <coughs> uh, Volume 7. I can't believe we've done seven of these already, of uh, Contemporary Cool. Uh, for those who don't know, we talk about four albums to each um, that have come out in the past ten years and uh, talk about them in some fashion. <coughs> and... Um, yeah, um, Ben Force fed me um, ASAP uh, an, an ASAP album again. So um, let's start with that. <laughs> Why did you force me feed me uh, another ASAP album, Ben? I mean, you force fed me a Khan album, and you know how I feel about Khan's. So. That is not that. No, no, no. Like, do you want me to start with Khan? Go. I'm confused. Why are you confused? Because I don't like Khan and I don't understand why, not? why people like him. Because he's just assaulting not? my ears, man. I'm just trying to chill on my Sunday Turn it afternoon. down, then. Turn it down. I'm like, oh, I right, cool. Oh, come on. Come on. Talk to me about it. On what? So just because he raps fast on this particular EP. So, right, the reason why I wanted to talk about this, right, is simply because I remember the first time I listened to it. My boy put me on Chateau Um, He put me on and I was just like completely blown away i was walking dog and i was just like jesus christ he's, he's going to ape shit on you know um four iconic beats and one i still can't i still yeah, haven't I don't know what found yet. <laughs> it's gonna annoy me man it's really gonna annoy me like when i hear that beat i'm just gonna be like where have i heard this <laughs> so there's gonna be a large gap between listening to both and i don't know when it's gonna happen but it's gonna happen i'm gonna find it someday um but when I initially listened to it, I just felt like, damn, this is he. And this is kind of, and it's kind of the genesis of why I just um, keep messing with Khan. I feel like this um, EP is, you know, kind of like a Five Fingers of Death kind of uh, vibe going on. Um, like he's, he's going off on uh, uh, Fuji's and Mob Deep and, uh, and, and Craig Mack <coughs> and, and Snoop Dogg. And it's just, um, <laughs> it's just really, really just fucking great, bro. It's really fucking great. I feel like there's a, when I, when I listen to this in particular, um, it just shows me that, um, this is, this, f- f- as far as I know, that was his first project. And I don't know, man, we were talking about, um, uh, uh Master Kid, obviously, um, last episode <clears throat> and how, you know, his first, um, his first uh, uh, raps, you know, were probably some of the greatest we've ever heard in terms of, like, first raps. Because a question I ask um, artists uh, whenever I interview them, well, not, not when every time, but, like, um, you know, I ask them, you know, what, what, was, what was your first raps like? And majority of them, bro, say this trash, right? And that makes sense, right? Most stuff we do in life is trash. Um, so, okay, there we, there we go. So there's another project called losing my religion in 2014 so it's not his first project but it's it's close um but yeah he just um you know shows i just i just really love his technical ability on these um you know i don't I, i'm i'm honestly kind of like bored with people um not uh taking in something just because they're rapping fast 
Like it, it doesn't. It shouldn't. It shouldn't matter. Like if he's rapping fast, you know what I mean. We Twister's a legend because of it. Let's not. Let's not act like we don't fuck with it in any f- particular fashion. Okay. Like just because um, it's because I remember the re- one reason why he didn't rate him at first was there was one project. I don't know if I asked you to listen to it or not, but you listened to it and you were just like, "Why does he sound like Kendrick?" And I was like, "Fair enough. Fine. He did sound a bit like Kendrick on that front." I forgot what project it was, but um. I'll take that, but you're not giving. You're not giving this. You're not gonna water down all of this. What I'm looking at, I'm looking at concepts too. The first one, and just saying like, oh, I don't like it because he's rapping fast and he shouted at me. It's like, come on, bro, come on. I've 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 kind of disappointed you, you know, because like you're coming at me with this oh, and like and you're and you're the rock and you're the rock guy, you know what I mean? And it's just like and we were talking about EDM the other other week and like you know that shit's loud. So what's the beef? What what is the beef? Let me read some lyrics while before yeah, I yeah, I'm gonna get some I'm gonna get some lyrics up here because I'm I'm a bit uh, please please yeah. do Ben please do because I feel like this is guys a read ly- lyrical reading all star honestly they call me Marcus Aurelius Garvey you want to act as a way uh, was a way to si- assimilate I'm a dis- disseminate every single intention you put in the verse and the word for the flow and the form is definitive adoration what the fuck do you mean a beautiful mind denying the product of Malcolm and Martin's collaborative dream perpetual king so within the time that we live in I'm giving you lyrics I deem a cynical scene you niggas are working for cream I pick up the pen and I scheme the biggest of critics are quick, quicker to pick it apart defining the men and they're painting the part supplying the rhythm and calling it art committed to murder the verdict is dark I start by giving you emphasis, guaranteed you'll remember this, mesmerizing the cadence I penetrate with camaraderie, constantly contemplating my theories of physiology. Like, come on, bro. Like, That's c- Come on, bruv. That's fire. Come on. It's fire. Okay, good. Ex- agreed. Thank you. Let's move on. <laughs> I'm definitely uh, building my case right now as you talk because... Okay, look. Are you bu- what case are you building? <laughs> Let me just do something super quick here. So there's two reasons why I don't like this record very much there's two reasons why i don't like car very much and a lot of people have you know i'm literally running numbers while we do this by the way uh, <laughs> so my issue with khan is firstly his delivery is not my vibe at all uh I just that it's too like yeah look i get okay here we go here we go here we go so we've got five tracks here right 539 lines five verses equals 539 divided by 5. So he's giving us 108 bars of verse on this record. So every single verse he's rapping is averaging 108 bars for five tracks, 539 lines. He's giving us pretty much a like a full-length project in five songs. So there's three issues I have. His delivery, I just... It's too much for me. It's just too much over and over and over again. It's just hammering me with, like, aggressiveness and... That's that's okay. Like if that was in isolation. The second thing is obviously he just doesn't stop. Is it? It does not stop. It's just there's no hooks. There's nothing. It's just it's just there. All killer, no filler, bro. And then the third Next thing is point. just relax on the beats, man. These are iconic hip hop beats. You've got to be very very careful no, with the beats no. you choose. Poor argument. No. You know Poor how argument. I feel about this. Boo. You know how I feel Boo. about this. Boo. Boo. There's Boo. no... You, you don't listen to freestyles and it shows. <laughs> Come on, man. I grew up in the Dat Piff era. You, you, probably, you, probably, you probably watch Sway in the morning and you're just like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> My head explodes. Hey, no. Stop rapping over oh, these gosh. iconic beats. 
But the thing about oh, God, how dare you? Oh. The thing about Sway Gosh. is like it's it's just off the cuff. You know, this is like he's ah oh, look, man. It's I think the lyrical content is incredible. Sitting down and reading these lyrics, it's the exact opposite of Future. For example, you sit down and read <laughs> Future's lyrics, and it feels like he's giving you a lobotomy in front of your very eyes. You're like, whoa, no, this is low tier. But then you <laughs> Charlie had that on deck. Look at Charlie's on deck. But then when you listen to the the song, you're like, oh, actually, I can feel his energy. You know, I can feel... But then with Khan, you read his lyrics, you feel like you're getting a lyrical meal. Like you're really sitting down and reading a dissertation, like a an a, a encyclopedia of Britannica entry. But then you listen to the songs. It's just not for me. It's it's just my personal preference. That's all. It's it's, it's not not my vibe. All of that to say. All of that to say it's not for me. All right, cool. Fine. There's cool. nothing wrong with it. I don't think it's bad music at <laughs> I all. I think it's great. Fuck, I know the fuck there ain't wrong with it. You're trying to find some things wrong with it. And we all came and we came back to the crux of the issue. Ben doesn't rate it. There we go. That's it. That's it. Boom. There we go. Let's just, not make excuses. It's I all just good. got cancelled because everyone fine. fucking loves Khan. So. I wouldn't, mind, I wouldn't mind. I don't know anybody that listens to Khan apart really? from me. I get to, I get DM'd all the time about Khan. I put his new song on the playlist this week, Audio Murderer. Shit. It might have been last week. And I got at least 10 DMs. Like, I love that you're giving love to Khan. People, Shit. if I miss a Khan release on the graphic, people go crazy at me. They're like, where's the Khan album? Where's the Khan drop? I'm like, oh, shit, Damn. I missed it. Damn, where's the Khan hive? Come through, guys. I might. I, I really want to. I want to reach out to him for an interview. I reckon we could interview him. Well, I think you so could the interview fuck him. Fuck, do I? That'd be amazing. Yeah, I don't exactly. think I could interview him very well, but I think I could be the go-between, <laughs> and you could be the interviewer, <laughs> and I could be in the room, and you just not bringing up the fact I don't really fuck with his music. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, which which one of you obviously want to talk about? Well, let's talk about ASAP Ferg because. Uh, A-S-A-P. So I think few artists open their account with a major label debut before they even drop a mixtape. But ASAP Ferg came out fully formed in 2013. He was 25 years old. He had just four years in the game. He told Complex, they call me the trap lord because my hustle game is impeccable. I kind of wish I'd read that quote before I heard the album because I was actually expecting something when I listened to it more aligned with like the future stuff I'd heard or maybe Flock of Valley mixed with Clem's Casino, for example. My point is hidden there in plain sight because we expected something specific from Ferg and he gave it to us, but I really only think it came across that way because we were expecting that sound from him, if that makes sense. You know, the debut debut single work, it really matched the high inflections and energy of like a Jeezy beat, for example, with the down south sprawl of maybe like a goody mob kind of concoction. And then he somehow packages it up in this developing trap sound that Future was about to perfect. And he told a claim about this influence uh, that Bone Thugs had on him early. He said, They influenced me a lot. They're the first guys I heard sing rap, put harmonies to their vocals and do double time. They brought a whole new fresh style that represent innovation. And that's what ASAP is to me. A bunch of young artistic kids who are innovative and motivate people. Then we got Shaba. Uh, super southern, like slowed down bounce music. Then finally, Hood Pope came out, which tracked a little bit more with Lil B's work with Clams Casino. And to me, these were the three perfect storm. They, it was the sound that we were told we were going to get. 
and it was such a weird mix. And I remember vividly being excited for this album. It was really hard not to be hyped uh, after ASAP Rocky's explosion with Live Love ASAP. And the blogs were fawning over Peso, man. It might not have charted on the Hot 100, but it went number one in the, the, the minds of all the Pitchfork readers the, at the time. In the streets, Charlie, yeah. No, 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 not the streets. The blogs, man. The fucking nerdy white kids at home refreshing Pitchfork to see what they gave oh, best new music. Okay. We fucking love that shit. And, uh, you know, lyrically dense, but, like, Rocky was kind of like the lighter to start ASAP Ferg's match. And when fucking Problems went number eight on the Hot 100 and Long Live ASAP went number one on the album chart, Ferg saw his opportunity and he fucking swooped in. And this is why I made my point early, because in hindsight, I don't feel like ASAP Ferg's heart was in the sound he was being told he was making, if that makes sense. When I heard Trap Lord and notably Hood Pope in 2013, I thought he was quite literally talking about his experience running a trap house. I took it I took it very, very literally, but if I'd been a little bit more careful and read Ferg's words from prior to the album, it would have given me an entirely different listening experience. In January 2013, he told XXL, I feel like it's not just me that represents Trap Lord. I feel like ASAP Rocky is a Trap Lord. I feel like ASAP Nas is a Trap Lord. While A just posted a picture on his Instagram wearing a Trap Lord sweatshirt, DJ Enough be sending me pictures of his sons wearing Trap Lord stuff. You're going to see a lot of different new faces that represent the brand. Not only the brand, but where we came from. A Trap Lord is basically the struggle to do better. It's almost like the theme of always strive and prosper ASAP. Trap don't necessarily mean you're selling drugs. You could be selling clothes, watches, fake watches, gold teeth, hats, anything. You're just trapping and you're a lord for it. And he told Acclaim, Trap Lord basically means being a lord of my trap and my trap is rap. And I think that the moments that didn't make much sense on first listen, like to me, didn't want to do that, uh, fuck out of my face, cocaine castle... They make perfect sense in this context, man. It's an expansive album designed to tell the story of anyone trying to get ahead or get anywhere in life. And I wish I had that context, man. And I wish others did too, because Pitchfork called it underdeveloped and skeletal. Uh, Complex said, and they might have been the best. Complex might have been the best with the hook, line, and sinker. They said, it's not the lyrics that make Ferg worth listening to. It's his delivery that keeps you enthralled. That and his beats, a dark morass of sticky, nasty, smoke-out funk. But it isn't. It isn't that at all. It's a very, like, because the, the idea of the, the the kind of, the vibe I was getting from reading about it was that it was this really dark, dingy, kind of like, you know, really future monster kind of Clams Casino stuff. And it's just not that at all, man. It's very overt. It's very, uh, it, it tracks more with his later content. And I think it's a very interesting album. I think it's a fascinating album. I really like who and what Ferg has become since this album. I think he could have easily fallen prey to the the rich homie Quan rabbit hole, you know, where he became so defined by a sound he wasn't ever going to be the best at that he lost his career chasing something that was never really real. It was kind of an industry construct. You know, when uh, the tour part one came out with Young Thug, Everyone was like, you know, this is the pinnacle of trap music right now. And Young Thug didn't chase that sound for the rest of his career. He just went in all these different directions. But Rich Homie Kwan just kept trying to do it. And I definitely see ASAP Ferg being like, you know what? I'm not going to be pigeonholed here. I'm not going to, everyone thinks I'm this trap lord. I'm going to, you know, do this future type music. I'm not going to do that. And he just went in a completely different direction. And I really like that. Uh, It's possibly due to his better management under ASAP Mob versus, you know, Rich Homie Kwan under Birdman. But like Fergus 33, and I would argue that's close to the prime of a modern rapper's life. 
ASAP Mob is facing waning popularity. Uh, they seem to struggle from transitioning from the event record phase into the microwave music phase, which is kind of what we're in at the moment. Uh, but yeah, man, I this album was just a looking. The reason I'm saying all this is looking back on it what I thought it was going to be and what it really was and what Ferg really wanted it to be and what I was told it was going to be, completely different. And I think it's probably one of the last albums of that era where the blog could really define how people feel about an album, where reviews could, like, you know, change the opinion and, and kind of give you some sort of uh, perspective and filter to view the album through that was not the intention of the artist at all. And I think that's really obvious because Ferg never did anything like this again. And um, I think it's a fascinating record in that sense. So, <clears throat> a lot there. And I kind of just have questions more than anything. Um, first of all, 33? You think that's peak for people? Okay. So just, I reckon, um, like, lyrically... In I'd, like to, I'd like to see the math on that. <laughs> yeah, that'd be interesting, actually. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Could write that down. Um Secondly, uh, you said that last bit um, more about uh, the music he did afterwards. What do you class as the difference between those? Because I don't know. I'm like full disclosure. The only album I've listened to fully, apart from this now, is uh, Floor Seas, and I enjoyed the title track to that. It's actually been on a rotation since. Um, so, and it's going to get to my original, my overall point. Um, but before that, what, what do you classes, what, what would you class as different between that and something like floor seas? Well, let me, let me talk about always strive and prosper in that sense, because hang on, let me get floor seats up because there's probably a song on Go there that it. I know. Uh, but sure. always strive and prosper had a song like hungry ham, right? That was the second song in that record and Skrillex is on that song. Okay, I know, and this was, oh, what, sure 20... That, I'm sure that aged well. It didn't. Boy, of course it really? didn't. Really? Of course it didn't. But he had New Level with Future on here, and you would be sure. like, a New Level was the first single, and when you heard it, you're like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. This is, I'm on a new level. I'm on a new I level. I want to like I'm that on... track so bad. You want to? I want to. It's a banger. It is, but... Bro, why does Future sound like he smoked 50 cigarettes beforehand? I mean... He does that sometimes, right? I think that Hungry Ham is more aligned with what I'm trying to say here. I think that ASAP Ferg kind of went in the the maximal electro direction. I'm looking at floor seats now. Um, I haven't listened to floor seats in years, so I can't actually say. But I think that... It's more aligned with the the kind of ASAP Mob uh, electronic, like you listen to Distorted off uh, Rocky's testing. You know, it's just that like wall of that dense wall of electro sound, <laughs> and I always felt like Ferg was way less future and way more ASAP Rocky. And I think in his like after that first oh, sure. album, he he definitely showed that. Um, Sure. Yeah, man, he had that bounce. Like, let it bang, let it bang. Like, that is a West Coast fucking slap, man, with Schoolboy Q. That's insane. I don't think Future could do something like that. I think that that's the, the no. defining characteristic. I think back then everyone was kind of comparing Ferg and to Future and Rich Homie Kwan and right. all these artists. That's not his lane. That is, right. That's never okay. been his lane. And you would never say that in 2022. You wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, ASAP Ferg, kind of like Future. You, 
But in 2014, <laughs> when Trap Lord came out, absolutely, that was how he was right. being marketed to us. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So um, I'm clearly as you, as as I'm you know as it's coming off as um, I was not aware of that particular um, I guess uh, stigmatism um, towards towards him. And I've kind of just always saw Ferg and Rocky and the rest of the ASAM mob, to be honest, as kind of just like because I remember the only the only overriding thought I always have about ASAP mob and their kind of like legacy. I'll, I'll zoom in in a bit, but just to zoom out a little, um, is that you know when when Rocky said like he's the king of New York, right, and like a mad New York people, especially the old school, just got really pissed off because mm. like blah, 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 as you can imagine, right. And you know, while I don't really care about that particular um, conversation, it did spark something in my head while I was just like, they don't sat like I wouldn't know they were from New York if you tried. But even with that said, I don't know if they're from anywhere if you tried. Like yeah. in terms of just what you listen to, I, I don't. You, I can't discern. I can't listen to something like work and say, "Oh, that's Detroit," or yeah. "Oh, that's Atlanta." It's not like that. It's ASAP. You know what I mean? So, to be fair to them, and this is what I gave respect towards Rocky when we did testing back in uh, back in the few episodes of Contemporary Call, um, in the Contemporary Call catalogue, um, is that I respect the fact that their sound is always unique to them. Um, similar to how, like, Brockhampton has their own, you know, kind of... They, they go about their subject matter in an interesting way. That's what's you that's what I find unique about them and that's why I keep listening to them because you just know their subject matter is always going to be very interesting and very personal and that's why they that's why people like them. And I feel like people like ASAP because they weren't just doing like boom bap. They were they weren't doing trap either. They were well, trap lord, but you know. But the 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 sound and the way they were going about it um, maybe the subject matter was similar to mo- uh, many many others, but you know when you're listening to it, it sounds like an ASAP album. With that all said, I find this mid. Um, I, <laughs> I I I don't I can't I can't get into it overall. Stuff like "fuck out my face" just doesn't vibe with me at all. Most mostly about the hook more than anything. It's just like why why is he saying it like that? It's like get the fuck get out my face. So it's, it's so it's like just say it, bro. Like it's not a beat or nothing. It's just he's just saying it. Whatever. Like it sounds like just someone just cut it up and just just put it together. Um, I find I find work as a as a posse cut extremely underwhelming. Um. I I just I just honestly I just laughed at the French 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 verse because it was just hilariously bad, not hilariously bad but hilariously simple as as um, you know as the meme goes. Um, dump dump, dump dump, yeah. We're talking about now with dump dump on it. Sounds like a no. The fact it's called Charlie. the fact it's called dump dump makes me just it just it says it all. But like um, Jesus Christ, is I fucked your bitch. <laughs> It's so it's it's just it's just it's just funny in, in a in not not a good way, but it's, it just made me laugh. On it's like okay, it's just okay, right, cool. That's a that's a throwaway track for me. Um, but yeah, I this is kind of just the thing that I, that I come towards at the end of the day when I whenever I listen to an ASAP out anything album. It's just like I appreciate their 
I appreciate, and especially you know, as time's gone on, like I, I look back and I'm just like, you know what, they did it differently, and I can respect that. You know, aesthetically, especially, they did it differently. Um, sonically, they did it differently. But boy, just a lot of it just goes straight over my head, and I'm just like, okay, that was that was the last time I'm probably gonna listen to that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I, Lord, I guess with Bone Fugs and Harmony, that was cool. Um. Who Pope Murder Summit Mwaka Flocka. I think that I think those two, you know, combined was an interesting uh, chemistry. But bro, like I fucked your bitch, nigga, I fucked your bitch. She sucked my dick. Oh like, Charlie doesn't get no what? pussy. Charlie, Woo! Charlie I don't get Charlie pu- doesn't get I don't I don't I don't Neither is, of this us is, this is what no, this is what no pussy does to a motherfucker. It's bad, I right? I fucked your bitch and I, she sucked my dick and I'm just like, you know what? Turn up my nose at it. I'm the same. I don't. I don't know. It's just not for us, I guess. Where we we don't we don't get women. So we, who we, knows? we're just we're just we're just action men down there, bro. Like it just doesn't. It doesn't apply to us. <laughs> doesn't can't. Just... It's just flat. There's nothing there. <laughs> it's just flat, bro. It's just flat. No personality. No bitches. That's what, that's what we are. Welcome to digging in digits. Can oh, that's got to be the new <laughs> intro. That one. <laughs> No personality, no bitches. Welcome to Digging in the Ditches. Digits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Oh, all right. Album number three um, <clears throat> is uh, <clears throat> Add Two's... Um, so we're getting into the albums. We both enjoy it uh, objectively. Yep. Um, so this is um, Add, t- Add Two's um, Jim Crow the Musical, um, which I put as number two on my albums uh, albums of the year list on that year. Do you want to guess number one? It's pretty obvious. What year was it? 2016? 2019. So oh, gosh, do the I don't know. 2019 hip-hop. Oh, it was probably Dave. Did Dave drop that year? Uh, close. No, no. That was that was top five, I think, if I remember correctly. Doja Cat dropped that year? Doja Cat dropped that year. Oh, yeah. Okay. It was a great area. Okay. So, oh, okay. Um, just to stop that. Just, just, to stop, just to stop the bleeding on that front, because uh, I feel okay. like you're just going to keep making... Uh, stupid guesses, and I'm just gonna uh, <laughs> continue over that. You know um, too so well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just gonna be yeah, just ton of ton of garbage. Um, so yeah, it was just um, I mean, I I don't even know how I found it, but um, it was you know, probably probably hip hop golden no chance. Then was probably then put me on. Um, but yeah, I remember listening to this, and I was just like, fuck, like th- this is crazy. I want to read some of it. Ugh, I wish I didn't. Uh, I did this list badly, right, honestly. But um, the top five is. I think fine for me is like Psychodrama Eve uh, soundtrack to the Struggle 2, obviously the aforementioned Jim Crow and the uh, uh, Grey Area. But um, e- but even with this, like obviously there's a timeless element um, with this, uh, with the subject matter, as you can imagine, um, with something like this, uh, talking. But the, th- the, th- the thing about this album that really just blows my mind um, when I and whenever I listen to it, it's not just the timeless nature of it, and that's due to more about the subject matter and how, you know, in five years, was it five, four or five years now? Not three years. Nothing has changed in in that overall sense. Um, and uh, I said, uh, when, did, when did I say this? Um, okay. I've listened to a lot of albums this year that tackle blackness in all its forms. Obviously, you know, Grey Area, Psychodrama, for example. Good shouts right there. <clears throat> Good examples. Um but no, but none that done does it in this, you know, semi-satirical way. Um, you know, the skits on here are just really just depressing, but very enjoyable. 
um, come they come through as like one of those really um, uh, just a really backward sitcoms that you know you, you kind of hate that you're laughing at, but it's kind of funny. Um, funny but depressing at the same time as each one said it's like watching old step and fetch it videos you can see the comedy in it but you can't help but be uncomfortable for how dated it is and comparing it to the modern day um so if, if you guys don't know what step who step and fetch is do you google um but yeah he does all of it the satire love brutal reality of being black in america um it's an outstanding example right um but I, I'm I'm just as it ages and and you know I listen to this now and again. Obviously, I don't listen to it too often. But the whenever I come back to it, it just comes across as just um just I, there's always something I gain from it. Um, you know, I I the first time I listened to it, I really appreciated the the more of the um uh more of the upbeats um you know tracks um stuff like nappy hair and jump the broom um those were very positive and they were very loving and they had that and you felt that whenever you listened to it um but you know there was obviously stuff like hashtag that um you know uh, as mate if i came out in 2020 woo woo that would have been that would have been a an anthem um to be honest but um yeah but you know stuff like secret life of blacks and as the first well not first track but you know the 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 first proper track and uh you know, back in the day with uh, Britney Carter, Olive Blue and Fonte, um, that just, as features go, those are so great. But, um, you know, stuff like Homecoming, much more positive. And then it gets to, you know, more um, simmered down, just attitudes. Um, Willie Gets Lynched, <laughs> which is amazing. Uh, just fucking a, a title for a track and Wings and Soul Searching to finish it off. But uh, even something like Souls for Sale, which is so just, Oh yeah, it's just like it's it, it you know talking about consumerism and you know being you know souls for sale being bought. It kind of just says it on on the tin. Um, I'm trying to read the lyrics and then uh, my mouse just like you know um, just decides to crap out on me. But um, yeah, it's just uh, it's just got some really just uh, great stuff in it. I, I really want to read this thing about. It. Let me go. Um, money make the world go round. We keep spending it, so it keeps spinning. I was slaved, and then I got a whip. I'm too cheap to lease. I can lease rent it. Windows to the soul is so tinted. My sinning is sold. Sinning on digits. Dig it. Be willing to do dirt. Either you robbing or giving. Given the circumstances, ironic. We're dying to make a living. Dying to be accepted. Except it's an illusion. Blind by confusion. Feeling like a nuisance since I got a new sense. Used to try and hang with them. Uh, then they brought the noose in. I don't want your two cent. They could barely pay a penny for my thoughts. I'm trying to make them ends. Uh, but I don't know where to start. I just need a little space. They keep saying. They, they say that I'm a star they told me to sell my soul but i don't know what it costs you know that really just gives off like you know how much a dollar costs kind of via essence and um i i refra- i try to refrain from making comparisons to something like smith butterfly there are like things you can you know glean from both and they happen to have the same thing but obviously to be butterfly was uh, in my mind more personal and what and as a last point, what makes this album so great is that it has this overall commentary on just black life in America. Not just him, but really branching out and, you know, and thinking about the entire kind of um, uh, African-American diaspora and uh, all the ills 
and all the good that comes out of being black in America. And I really respect this album just whole, whole, uh, wholesale. And uh, <laughs> the funny thing is that I haven't listened to another Add To album, and I know he has more. So I'm just wondering what the others are saying because every time I listen to this, I'm just like, I should listen to more Add To, but I've just never gone around to it. But damn, it's just a one album, hit it and quit it. My God, yeah, it's just absolutely absurd. Yeah, man. Look, I listened to this album back when it dropped, and it was insane, and it was a beautiful album. And I want to read some words because I have a theory here. I want to say something. Uh, Add two told Rolling Stone. Oh, was this the theory you hyping to me? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I might have been high when I was hyping that theory to you, but um, <laughs> I still I haven't read it since then. But I'm I'm sure it's solid. Uh, look, this is what Add Two said to Rolling Stone in 2020. I wanted to be very intentional about every word, every song, every skit. I wanted to capture my experience of being black in America. Honestly, I wanted to capture the joy, pain, triumph, anger, truth, and trauma. I would listen to speeches from Malcolm X, Fred Hampton, Minister Louis Farrakhan, interviews with Fannie Lau, Fannie Lou Hamer, and James Baldwin, watch films from Spike Lee, and I had them on repeat. I made sure my message wouldn't be lost. I wanted to celebrate us. I wanted to draw parallels between what was going on today and what was going on during the 1800s and 1900s. During the Jim Crow era, the horrible treatment of black people was obvious, whereas now it is more subtle. I love that. Uh... I want to make sure I want to make people more aware of our struggle and how we're still being very much connected to the experience of our ancestors. Now, the parallels, this is me speaking now, the parallels I never understood in this album until I went and saw Hamilton is wild. <laughs> so I remember hearing this, as I say, for the first time. It blew my fucking mind conceptually, sonically. It's the equal of any album of its ilk you want to mention here. Any album you want to put here, there is absolutely nothing here that is lower tier. It's not less than a 10, in my view. Uh, it launches through the speakers at you and grabs every part of you, the intellectual, spiritual, emotional. It drags you into this beautifully constructed world of pain and oppression, but of black excellence and truisms. My issues with Hamilton are laid bare when I listen to this record because the fawning over the inclusive cast, one which isn't telling the story of slavery or oppression or racism or the pain and anguish the nation was built off, just skirting around it, using it as punchlines for jokes, pretending it isn't the most essential untold story at that level of ubiquity in theatre. And wouldn't this be an overall better story to tell? Wouldn't this record be a fucking better story to tell? I never truly understood the praise for Hamilton. I felt like it was a stock standard, overblown theatre production. Lin-Manuel Miranda's response to the wide-ranging criticism, notably about how uh, Jefferson and George Washington, notable slave owners, remember, are shown positively throughout the the, the, the musical, is this. He says, All criticisms are valid. The sheer tonnage of complexities and failings of these people I couldn't get or wrestled with but cut. I took six years and fit as much as I could in a 2.5 hour musical. I did my best. You did your best, then you need to fucking reassess what your best is because that is garbage. Jim Crow the musical tells such an evocative tale, such an essential one. It gives the listener a peek into experiences, thoughts, and emotions that are born in the oppression and racism that birthed the U.S. nation and ran rampant and unchecked for hundreds of years to the point where we still need fucking riots in the present day to stop police killing unarmed black people in the streets. The educational value alone of this record would be so fucking immense on the big stage. When I went and saw Hamilton, I would estimate 85% of the crowd was white and over the age of 40. And since the tickets were fucking luxe, man, they were expensive, I would argue almost everyone in that room was middle or upper class. 
middle and upper class middle-aged white people run the fucking world. And that sucks, but it's true. Boris Johnson, Scott Morrison, Joe Biden, Putin. These are the minds that must be changed. And that can only happen through exposure. Dragging them all to Hamilton and making them feel like they are supporting inclusivity because the cast isn't all white is fucking insane. It's batshit insane. This album should be taught in schools. It should be the jumping point for discussions and inclusion. It doesn't feel like a retelling of history as much as a check-in and like a, a re-situation of the emotional and existential state of both the positive and negative parts of being black in predominantly white countries like America. Deeply instructive and eye-opening for me in how white dominance is manipulative and intrusive. You know, it remains as it always has. And remember that my country went into indigenous communities, stole indigenous children from their parents and tried to assimilate them into white culture to eradicate their heritage. That was like 30 years ago, 40 years ago. That's recent as that, man. And humanrights.gov.au actually called it genocide. And that's the kind of thing that in this country gets whitewashed and people don't think about it. So when I'm sitting in a room in Sydney watching Hamilton and people are laughing about punchlines about slavery when they have no fucking idea what's going on, it just makes me fucking sad. When art like this exists, art like this should be uplifted, art like this should be taught, it should be, that should be what's presented to these predominantly white audiences, but it's not. And I guess that was my whole, that, you know, I've, because I've already listened to this album, I've analyzed it, I've, I've probably reviewed it. I don't know if I did review it on the pod, but, um, <clears throat> You know, this was just another angle. This, As soon as, like, listening to it again, firstly, it felt so calm just listening to it and, and putting it back on and being like, oh, that's right, fuck. This is incredible. Holy shit. And then it just sent my mind down all these rabbit holes and, and just the, the emotions that it evoked. It was it's just such a fucking stunning album, man. Such a brilliantly executed album. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. And uh, a minor point that you made in the beginning of that is how it stretches not just like from now, but from, you know, 200 years ago or whatever. And that, you know, I think, I feel like, you know, it's probably uh, the uh, the reason why it's called Jim Crowley Musical comes uh, more about the, for the application of, you know, the skits in particular. And just adding those satir- satirical elements towards it. Um and that dark humor, but shit, man, you know, you you can make a case for it actually being like a legit like musical and having Fuck just yeah. some really just uh you know this is fifty one minutes give fifty minutes give or take, um you know, give me an hour of like you know dialogue in between like <laughs> we're good so like, you know you can make something out of that for sure, um I love the I love the last bit of the uh of your different uh the skip <clears throat> where the um. Uh, I don't know what to call it, but like a just like the narrator, go, go, uh, I guess, um, goes. Um, Remember, to be African American is to be African without the memory, and American without the privilege. I have to bid you adieu. Good day, niggas. <laughs> it's just the way it's just the way he says it as well. It's, and the, uh, I think one of them just goes like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it just make, it makes me laugh personally. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's it's a fascinating album in so many ways. Like it's just absolutely crazy all right we uh finish off with the ben's last pick uh what have you got yeah telephone by no name so i think that way too often this project gets dismissed as a tentative first entry to one of the most talented mcs to emerge in the 2010s and 
It's aged incredibly well. <laughs> very fucking well. For so f- well. <laughs> for a tentative first entry, 200 million Spotify streams seems a little bit incongruent there. This record is deeply personal and at times it's quite bleak. I truly think it propelled female rap in a way that, you know, I think Rhapsody was doing. I think that, I, and I want to, that's the point I want to make here. The first question I want to ask is, why you hear rappers next to women singers more than you hear rappers next to women rappers, especially in the 2000s? It's this weird inherent belief that male rap and female rap should be so separate that they can't coexist or that they're completely different or that a woman coming onto a, like a female rapping coming onto a song. And this has always been the case in the 90s and 2000s for all the music I listen to and all the interviews I listen to. Every time a rapper's like, oh yeah, I got a female rapper on here. I wanted, I wanted a little bit, something a little bit different. You know, I wanted a different perspective. I wanted, but they don't say that about other male rappers when they get them on the track. And the second question is, the last time a female MC settled so smoothly into a groove that the mainstream usually reserves for men, and I would argue it's Lauren Hill. I genuinely think that no one since then has done it the way that Lauren Hill did it. I don't. I can't think of any female MC. Maybe you could say Gangsta Boo or Remy Ma, but even then they were they were they were different. And so I want to pack back up my points here because I think what No Name did on this project hasn't been done since at least the 90s. She said in Fader in 2016, uh, people usually hit me up, Chance and Mick Jenkins, those are just the homies, so those happen more organically. I was randomly hanging out with Chance earlier that day when he ended up going to the studio to do the little B thing. So it was kind of like, oh, you're here, rap. And the other ones, I guess they had something real particular in mind, like I want a female rapper on this song, I specifically want you on this song, come to the studio. Chicago is a pretty small-knit circle of artists that work together all the time. So No Name slips so effortlessly into a lane that is so Chicago, but never gets the attribution it deserves. Mick Jenkins, Saba, Reggie Snow, Smino, Earth Gang, the conscious lyrics match with this warm throwback instrumentals that Pitchfork actually once called languid guitar lines in airy atmosphere, bathe the music in soft-focused blues and greens, a watercolor that recalls the placid cool of 60s modal jazz. The connection between aggression and relaxation is essential. I quite like that description. Now, you know, if you find me a more accurate description of this sound, I will genuinely fall down the stairs because I think that that was fucking spot on. I argue that the sound is more associated with Dreamville now than Chicago, uh, even though Omen is from Chicago. Um, but I would argue that that label is more heavily associated with it. But the sound undoubtedly began taking hold with Kanye's debut record and then through his production and Lupe Fiasco's sonic palette. But by the time No Man drops uh, Telephone in 2016, the sound Lupe and Kanye were pushing was flourishing with artists popping up all over the country. Now, the reason I decided to take this direction about this record is, uh, you know, the reviews of Telephone, they were often backhandedly critical of No Name's lackluster delivery or lack of conviction in her delivery. And I'll say it bluntly, I don't think they would ever say that about a male MC with the same vocal presence No Name Hattles in this project. And I doubt they'd say it in 2022 about any female MC because the game has changed dramatically in the six years since this record dropped. You know, female MCs are now being uplifted next to their male counterparts, they're equals. They coexist in the same subgenres rather than being shunted into separate ones. And I say that, you know, I reviewed China Street's album on this very podcast today. We talk about Backwards Sweetie. We talk about, you know, these female MCs who are now popping up in this underground conversation and no one's saying, oh yeah, they're the best female MC in the underground. They're just saying they're one of the best MCs in the underground. And I think this this kind of energy, like, you know, we talk about Shane Noir, for example, Love the Genius. Um, 
You can even say Megan the Stallion is up there with this uh, new single Plan B. Like, no one's mentioning that she's a woman. Everyone's just like, this is fucking hard. These are bars. And I genuinely think that Telephone contributed to this legacy. Uh, one that I, I would be interested to see what Charlie says about, because maybe I'm way off base here, but the same way that Lauren Hill made you listen to MC Light differently after the score is the same way No Name made you tweet out, Megan's The Stallion is on the same level as Biggie on this track. Because I think that tele- Telephone is like a delicate dance between the truth and simple pleasure of being alive. You know, casket pretty tips are balanced deeply towards truth, so then we get forever in response. And the production invokes beautiful hidden gardens just exploding in sunlight, but the lyrics often track the true depths that oppression can impose upon people, extrapolating that out into different images and heartbreaking scenarios. And I just think the way that this album came out and the conversation around it, it was like no name just can exist on any kind of beat. She's just molding into the Chicago scene. You know, she can pop up on a Chance song. She could pop up on a Mick Jenkins song. She could pop up on a Saba song. And no one would be like, oh, they got a female MC for this track. That's really cool. You'd just be like, they just got an MC for this track. And I think that she did quite a lot. And I don't think she gets the credit she deserves for stopping this delineation between female and MC, female and male MC. And I, I really think it started on this record, genuinely. So I'll half agree on your overall point. Uh, I'm not sure if the album itself uh, made that uh, made that wave, but I do agree with you at No Name overall. I feel um, when you know she's featured or whatever, it is you know mentally see it as oh it's just another rapper on the, on the track. It's not like oh females on the track. Um, so, but the re- reason I don't agree with the album itself, I guess my my my, my general thoughts in the album is more about. Um, I feel like, uh, judging by the review scores compared to something like Rem Twenty Five for next album, um, is I genuinely don't think without reading reviews, by the way. So you know that's with that in mind. They're kind I don't of mid tier, to be fair. They're kind of around the 70, 75 mark. Exactly right. Yeah, exactly. So not top. Yeah, but it was, it was, it was. You know, um, mixed. Let's say that. And I, I genuinely don't think people knew what to do with it. I don't think that's. I don't, I don't think that was it. Similar to something like Tierra Whack. I remember listening to um, what was the EP? Um, there was like a fifty minute short film at the same time. Um, oh yes. Yeah, that. I forget. Look up the name for you if you want. Um, but people know what I'm talking about. Um, you know, when I listened to that at first, I was just like... Self-titled. What? <laughs> oh, Whack Was it Whack World? Yeah. Yes, Whack World. Yeah. You know, every track's a minute long, you know, and you watch the short film as well. So you're listening to it twice a minimum. And you're just... And you, no, I didn't know what to do with it. You know what I mean, I'm just like, okay, this is interesting. Don't know what to make of it, but it's interesting. It's like, you know, it's encapsulated in this um unique uh package um but past that I didn't really know what to do with it and i felt like i felt the same with some, i felt the same with the with telephone i remember listening to it for the first time i was just like okay i don't know what to do with that because you know the deliveries with when it comes to no name is is an acquired taste i'll say that um i don't think you know the you know, to making it derogatory and like Ooh, sleepies or something like that, whatever it is, whatever the word, the buzzword is used. Um, I don't think that tracks for me, um, but it is different and it can be disarming at first. In my mind, it was disarming at first listen because it's just like she's she's rapping at pace, right? And you know, she's she's having these flows that are very intricate 
and the lyrics are very dense in some parts, right? Um, but it's on this, but it's with this, you know, just very relaxed, let's say that, very relaxed delivery, and it is very disarming. Um, so I can imagine when someone listens to that for, for the first time, it is a bit, it takes a bit of getting used to. Um, but, you know, it's been, what, six, seven years now since Telephone especially. So, you know, at this point, it's kind of just, it's no name. You can't, you get it and you understand it. Um, but I do understand, in my mind, I feel like probably uh, people didn't know what to do with this at first. And it took a while for people to get it. And a minor point um, on an overall sense, uh, I remember when I interviewed Vic Spencer and, you know, I asked him about Chicago scene and... It, it it just it really does fascinate me. I mean, we talk. I think we I've talked about it before uh, um, about the Chicago scene. How fascinating I find it. How you know every artist has their own just unique way of doing things. Um, you know, the, no nobody's beats are the same. Nobody's lyrics are the same. Nobody's subject matter is the same. They're all talking about different things, or they may be talking about the same thing, but it's in a very very di- unique way. And you know, I just I, f- I think pound for pound, no no place in in uh, no area in uh, music is as just um, is as uh, uh, what's the word uh, unique as Chicago. Just pound for pound, every artist has their own has their own uh, flow in some way. And uh, No Name is definitely, definitely one of those um, that you can pick out first, one of the first names you pick out um, when you think about that. And that's that's cool, actually, to think about now. Um, the, you know, when you think of, when I think of Chicago, it is, you know, Kanye, Common, Twister, and then, you know, the likes of Vic Spence and No Name, Saba, right? You know, and that's, that's cool to think about, so. Yeah, I just want to, like, use a few quotes here because... Oh shit! I thought I had my mic turned off. Then I've done that a few times. Just like start talking, and like getting into some really interesting point. And Charles like, bro, no one can hear you, man. Like, I think the thing about this No Name project that, yeah, it just I think it's the conversation that she had around it. Uh, she told Fader in 2016. She said, I try to exist without binding myself to labels. I'm not really into labels at all. Even the way I dress, I usually don't wear anything with a name brand. For me, not having a name expands my creativity. I'm able to do anything. No name could potentially be a nurse. No name could be a screenwriter. I'm not limited to any one category of art or other existence on a more existential level. She also said this to Fader. I see people tweeting me sometimes like I'm this generation's Lauren Hill or I'm like the conscious version of different female rappers. Then in 2018, she told NPR, But I think that what I would like to see, I don't know if I want myself to be the artist who is that or just something else in general, but what I would like to see more other variety with women in hip hop on a larger scale. Everyone knows Cardi B, whose name I would like to also exist in a world where Tierra Wack will be as famous as Cardi B, you know what I mean? So it's... There's something, sorry, I've, I've obviously written this quote terribly. She says, so there's something to offset. So there's not just one mono, like one image of a woman. And I think right now on the TV scale of things on the red carpet, that's what we're seeing. And that kind of sucks. It kind of sucks when there's only one of anything. Even if it just were only one of me, we need to exist in multitudes. But yeah, I don't know. Patriarchy is really insidious. And I, I love that. I love those quotes because 
that's what sent me down this path when I was when I read those quotes. I'm like, you know, when I thought back to like Emil at Rockefeller or, you know, Foxy or Lil Kim, it was always the female MC. It was always like every crew had to have a female MC. And they asked Jay, Angie Martinez uh, asked Jay-Z in an interview in like 01 or 02. And he echoed the same sentiments that have been echoed by Jermaine Dupri and by Birdman and by every Rick Ross, you know. She asked him, would you ever sign another female MC? Not, they, they never asked, would you sign another singular male rapper? It was, would you ever sign another female MC? And Jay-Z was like, man, probably not. You know, it's too much effort. Rick Ross said the same thing. Birdman has said, you know, probably similar things. Like, it's always that one. There's always one female MC. And I think that when I read those quotes from No Name, and I listened to the album, and the album just sounded so Chicago, and it sounds like, it, it doesn't sound like a female MC doing a Chicago sound, it just sounds like Chicago, it sounds like a Chicago hip-hop album, and I was like, yeah, this is the start of something, I really think so, because I went back in time and tracked it, and I just couldn't think of another artist who was doing it that way, maybe you could say Missy Elliott, but I mean, she was just so separate, and so removed, and so wholly unique, you could never have multitudes of Missies, there's not... There's no, you know, it just doesn't exist, whether by design or just for the simple fact that she's just too insanely talented. And I think No Name is the same. You know, I don't think you could ever uh, replicate No Name, but I do understand what she's trying to say here. And uh, I do think that with Telephone and, you know, maybe there's this is correlation and not causation and you could never like actually find a link between Telephone dropping and that actually starting to happen a little bit more now. But uh I think her words are really salient and you know I think she did something pretty pretty special on this record. I think it's a great project. I think a a point that it just it just came to me it came to me as you were talking those particular quotes. I think something I'll give no name credit for is that I feel like and this is kind of your point but just reworded I think feel free to say I'm just making your point. But, like, uh, I feel like, similar to someone like Lauren Hill, not exactly like Lauren Hill, but similar, um, she kind of just removed the, um, uh, the, 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 the singular nature about, um, females in hip-hop. Kind of just, with that, with that different way of doing things, um, and you know her unique way of doing things that kind of opened me up to think about huh there it there can be more than you know two different flavors of females doing hip hop you know what I mean and now obviously with more knowledge it's deeper than that but in the overall sense people see it as two things or people see two types two archetypes I say that of a female in hip hop they see Queen Latifah or they see Lil' Kim and there's nobody else. Um, you obviously mentioned Missy. That's a great example right there. Lauren, great example right there. No Name, another great example of just bucking that trend. And I feel like that needs to happen. For some reason, that needs to happen, you know, every decade for for for, gra- for people to gradually understand, you know, there are there can be multitudes and there can be, you know, just different pockets in between these two large archetypes but in between those when you look between those when you look deeper when you dig when you look for yourself when you discover words that we have used for years now 
um, you start to find that there are different uh, ways of going about things. And No Name was definitely just one of those unique voices that came out in the past decade to do something different and actually uh, and actually speak to a lot of people to say, oh, doesn't have to be those two archetypes. I forget because I feel like people either forget or just most people will never talk about that. So it's good we're talking about that at least. <laughs> it's interesting that uh, I mentioned MC Light in there and I, I just think it's such a record label construct, this whole thing, because... You know, when oh, we yeah. were talking about rappers in the eighties, female rappers in the eighties, it was never what's marketable. Yeah. Yeah, what but it was marketable. it was never like, Oh, she's the female version of or she's the female rapper. It was just like she's a rapper, you know? And then in the like late eighties mm-hmm. and nineties it just it went in that direction. So Yeah. Just they it always it always needs to reassert that notion. Every decade. The start of every decade, it always needs to be someone just to say, um, there's there's more there's you know it doesn't have to be these two things but it is what it is all right so that's it uh we'll finish up there and uh hope to a lighter note uh if you have anything ben uh i don't really think i have anything do you have anything interesting this week oh do you know what i will say fuck man oh that real madrid game was fucking crease it was so good so i knew i knew that real madrid knocked man city out before i watched the game but i didn't know anything else about the game <laughs> So I'm watching yeah. it with my dad, right? And, you know, we got into the 89th minute and they're still two goals away from drawing and uh, the, the tie. And I was getting nervous. I said to dad, wait, what is this? And dad's just like, just wait, just wait. And it was so fucking great because Man City have tried to buy their fucking Champions League and they just can't. They've got, they paid a hundred million pounds for Aston Villa's greatest player just to sit him on the bench. They brought him on at the end, but most weeks he's on the freaking bench. And, you know, at the end, Real Madrid were bringing on, it looked like they just picked blokes out of the crowd and they'd be like, oh, here's a jersey, on you go. We've run out of players on the bench. Just run on and have a run around. You know, Man City were bringing on some of the greatest players of all time in like the fucking 85th minute. And quality won out, man. Quality and fucking iron steel nerves. Steel nerves. At the end, they were just swarming the Man City goal. Fuck, man. It was such a good game of football. And to be fair, the last six games of football that Real Madrid have played in the Champions League have been six of the greatest games I've ever seen in my life. It's been absolutely beautiful. I watched Liverpool play yesterday against Tottenham. That game was bullshit. That exactly same thing happened last time we played Liverpool where we completely outplayed them. We fucking hit them on the break and scored our goal and then just some BS piece of luck, fucking massive deflection and then Klopp comes out at the end and whinges. You know, Tottenham don't play a a brand of football that I respect. Bro, you are fucking lucky to scrape a point out of that game against world-beating Tottenham. We took six points. You should be laying down at our feet and praising us for taking six points off Man City this year. Because if we didn't do that, you would be in the distance, my friend. You would be in the past. There would, be, there would never have been any quadruple talk at all. The only reason you have any opportunity at a quadruple is because of Tottenham. So sit down, shut up, take your point, and just move on. Because we are dead unlucky not to get three points out of that. And we're going to miss out on fourth now, probably, because of that. That sucked. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. So Chelsea got bought, so there's that. 
Yeah, Charlie's got nothing to talk about because Chelsea are stuck in third. They got nothing doing. It's just like I'm I'm in NBA mode, bro. I'm in NBA mode. My season's over. I don't care anymore. I was just like, can Chelsea get bought before May thirty first? Did they? Good. (coughs) Fine. Okay. Now I'm I'm out. I'm out. You know, shout to the Chelsea women. They won a WSL today, so shout to them. Um, Dominant display. Um, And uh, yeah, I'm. I was just. Only thing I was thinking during those is just like. A, imagine like imagine like I can't believe Real Madrid managed to top waxing PSG twice. <laughs> Think of that game, bro. Like fucking oh, Benzema scored like ten minutes, thirty se- twice in thirty seconds or some shit, Fuck. and then that he topped, and then they topped that with uh, obviously battering Chelsea and and now, um, yeah. So you know, it's it's just um. Yeah, I just, I just, I, I've checked out. There's two. Was, objectively, it's been like really fun to watch, but like, yeah, just subjectively, it's just depressing now. It's just, it's just such a slow death. Got the FA Cup final coming up, and Liverpool's just gonna fucking whip us five nil, some dumb shit like that. It's just gonna be depressing. Rudiger's leaving. Like, it's just, I'm sad. I'm sad. It's just, it's just a lot of sad shit. I don't, I, I don't know how. Uh, the transfer window is going to go. It's either going to go very well or very badly. A lot of um, outs. But yeah, it's, it's either going to be a bloodbath or like, you know, a restorement in like uh, attitudes and just like positivity. But yeah, I'm in NBA mode, bro. Like the NBA playoffs are heat right now. They're, they're so, they're, every game's like hitting for me. So I'm just, I'm just into that right now. <laughs> I'm staying up, I'm doing other shit and I'm just watching the NBA playoffs. I'm in, I'm in that mode right now. And I'm also watching Paul. I'm randomly watching Paul. I don't know why, but I'm really enjoying Paul. I'm just watching Paul. We were talking about Paul the other week. So I was, I've, been, I've just been watching Paul competitions. So. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, my Professional Paul's lit, bro. Professional Paul's I'm lit. I just really fucking, enjoy it. I fucking it's know. great. My partner is apparently a fucking demon pool player and we haven't had an opportunity to play pool yet. I can't fucking yeah. wait to see what kind of move she pulls out on the pool table because yeah man it's gonna be fascinating i've had some great i've had some great moments like in years past like i've had some great moments but like i've 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 not played in years so i'm just like i really want to play pool all of a sudden in the past few months and now i'm just watching professionals do it and i'm just like damn this is fire why isn't this on like more why doesn't have more eyes on this like compared to like someone like snooker i'm just like yeah i don't know it's especially what especially thinking about snooker i'm just like how is this not like <laughs> how's this not like box office but anyway that's your sports talk on the itd for for one week yeah, we ladies and gentlemen <laughs> what are we doing next week we haven't even decided what we're going to do next week well someone's dropping next week oh, so shit. Yeah, but how Could. are we going to do about it? We can't we can't do an episode on it because he drops on Friday and the episode comes out Monday. Right. We're not going to have enough time, are we? What, to digest it? Yeah, I mean, i got I got shit to do on the weekend. I <laughs> Look, I know I don't get any women or pussy, but like I've got, <laughs> I got activities. What to do engage. you do if not, if you don't get pussy? Right? Uh, it, I do don't do? know. I seem to manage to, f- I seem to fill my time without it. I don't know how I do it, but like, I'm not going to be able to, I'd need a week. I'd need a proper week to digest. It's not, this is not a Jack Harlow album, Charlie, that you can just dissect in 12 hours. This one needs a, a solid 18 hour run, I reckon. <laughs> Okay. I mean, we could react. Um, we could just react. We could just riff. We could just chat about it. Everyone else is going to be talking about it. Can do. Can do. I'm not going to have any numbers, but... We could do. 
I just don't I just don't I just don't wanna say that and lock ourselves into it and then I don't enjoy it. And then no, I have to talk hilarious. about not enjoying it for forty five minutes. <laughs> yeah, I mean I don't wanna do that, so I dunno. But we could do it. Let's face it, that's okay. not gonna happen, is it? Surely not. I don't know man, I'm 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 nervous. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm nervous. I'm nervous. It, it's I'm it's nervous. it's not even more it's more it's 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 the same I had with like Dan where I was just like, I don't know how he can top it. I don't know how he can like be different and like, you know, make something just completely fresh and I'm just like and obviously that blew my mind in more ways than one. So like, you know, I, I just I don't know. It's, it's and I had the same with Simbi, bro. It was like I was just like, ooh, nineteen tracks, ooh. And I was like, this is like, you know, I'm I, I'm I'm not getting into rumors. I, I'm I'm not. I'm I'm trying to just tunnel vision it. I don't want any rumors in my head. Um, but I guess the lack of not doing that has kind of just got me thinking by myself. And I'm just like, I don't know what I what I'm gonna get from this album. And that's you know that's the fun in it. But I don't want to not enjoy it. I know I won't. I know there's could be a a bigger chance of me enjoying it. But I'm being a pessimist at this point. I guess I'm being a glass half empty person. But Fine, yeah, let's do it. I'm talking myself into it. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, we'll do it. See what happens. Oh, nervous. Okay, all right, cool. Ladies and gentlemen, from the Fifth Element Podcast Network, it's been Digging Digits. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I've been trying to over the Fifth Element. I've been being harder people on numbers. I mean, the only time we've done this is for the big day, so I feel like we have to do it for something that's, you know, <laughs> that we actually enjoy. Yeah, we <laughs> More fucking... <or> less. <laughs> We fucking rinse that big day how, album. How have we only? How's that? Like, has that been the only like one album chat we've had? Like, where we've like had to break down why we don't like this or do like it. I mean, That's we've done thing. we've done single albums, but we've never done. I don't think we've done I mean, a we whole. Did, we did. I mean, we did Black Star, but you know that doesn't. That's different. That's, that doesn't count. I'm trying yeah. to think. We did Watch the Throne. We did a like a full did, ep on Watch the Throne. We did do Watch the Throne. Yeah, we did do that. Yeah, that's another one. There you go. That's two. So yeah. Only the we best. Should do that more, we should we should we should do that more often. Watch the uh, throne, for, big for day, and Kendrick's aftermath. Album. Did it for aftermath. Yeah, but that yeah, I guess we did. Yeah, we did. That's yeah, right. we did it for aftermath. That's yeah, true. That, was, that, was, that was literally just one album. Yeah, so we will do it for the firm at some point. Yes, yes, we do. We do need to do that for the firm. Okay, All right. We'll, we'll do Kendrick, and then I don't know. Maybe the firm next week. Who knows? But anyway, um, where was I on the outro? Oh yeah. Uh, hope you have a good week. Which always try and do the same, but until the next time, yeah. take it easy, ladies and gentlemen, and enjoy the country album, ladies and gentlemen. Alright, peace. Digging in Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show was edited by me. Music for the show is a piece of media games by bonus points. Thanks to Chop Records for bid to use. Socials with Fifth Element Hip Hop by Numbers, bonus points to Chop Records will be in the full show notes as well as the names of projects reviewed wherever you're listening. This has been a Fifth Element Podcast Network production. Thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you next time. I'll dig in in the digits. <laughs>